This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. Uh, this is me, Chris McGlade. Tickets are on sale for my critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness, at the iconic 100 Club on Oxford Street in London. How can you write a comedy show about the murder of your father? Well, Chris McGlade, the Northern Comedian, has with his critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness, at the 100 Club on Oxford Street, October the 12th. Tickets at billetto.co.uk or at the 100 Club. Chris McGlade, Forgiveness. Come down and see the show. Thanks very much. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tenick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that, like, <laughs> like Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Still Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal, the world's only Arsenal-related podcast. You think you've seen others, but you haven't really. They don't really exist. They're figments of your imagination. This is the only one. This is the only one where we have where we rotate guests every week. Me and my co-host Josh the Bear, Landy. Hi, Josh. Hey, Boyder. And I think it's the only one where we also insist on doing um, uh, predictions at the end of every podcast by hook or by crook. Today we are joined. It's a double bear a thon today because we are joined by. 
the living legend Gareth the Bear Parker, who has just, we were just discussing off air, completed his fifth marathon. Uh, you're pretty much, Gareth, the Eddie Izzard of the Austin podcast, I feel. Um, thank you, I think. Um, yes, yeah, a compliment. Yeah, no, He's that, a hero. He is. Um, I have a, actually, it's too long a story to tell, but I have a, a, Go a, on. Of a run-in with Eddie Izzard uh, when I was putting a night on at the comedy store, and he had left his notebook. Uh, whilst filming there the week before and came in in a fluster trying to find it uh, and wasn't in the mood for jokes, which is a shame because there were seven or so comedians backstage who were uh, really up for telling jokes. And he went, help me find it. Uh, And someone, I think it was Sean Walsh, said, what does it look like? And when it's got a picture of Nelson Mandela on the front cover and Justin Morehouse, like missing a beat, said, maybe it's taking a long walk to fucking freedom then. Uh, and everyone laughed, and, and, and Eddie went, "Oh, you think that's funny?" And yeah. Anyway, what so my story. This is this is this is anecdote gold, and we haven't even started. I was I'm glad um, I mentioned. I was um yeah I was party to upsetting a a a, a comedy yeah royalty. Mm. Mm. This has not even been prearranged, Gareth. Can we just name no. celebrities? Will you just have stories about them doing interesting things? Should we try again, Boyd? Do someone else, Boyd? Um, let me think. Uh, who else does marathons? <laughs> Jimmy Savile. <laughs> Sorry, uh, um, no. Although I did once uh, go to Mount Vernon Hospital go. around that, but no, I I I, I was uh, fortunate. I think at that point in my life. I did, um, I did just want to just I do want to give a quick shout out to my friend Nick Deer, who's a very loyal listener to this podcast, Arsenal fan, and he told me today that because he said who's on the on the show t- today. And I said, Gareth, Gareth about Parker. He went, oh, I see Gareth. He, he sees you every game with your brother. But he, he said, and I quote, I'm too starstruck to say hello. So if a, if a tall, handsome gent approaches you the next time you, you're you well, on the Emirates, it's probably going to be Nick Deer, legendary uh, public relations operative and all-round great man. Well, that would be lovely. I think I forget what I look like sometimes as well. So like when I was running yesterday, uh, I, I, I've not my resting faces my running face is not a friendly one so uh there was lots of obviously london marathon is an incredible event and there's a lot of love on the streets but yeah i'm the only bit of crowd interaction i had uh really of any purpose was there was a bunch of anti-vaxxers down on the embankment uh so i I just gave them the bird for the entire time i was running past them to a huge uh roar from the rest of the crowd that was yeah my, my interaction the, wait a minute, you maintained an erect finger for how long for about 20 seconds yeah that, oh okay okay it, it probably took that's doable two seconds yeah. off yeah. my time running form and all that now it was um yeah what a bunch of clowns those anti-vaxxers are those anti-vaxxers are unbelievable aren't they they i've seen them um because i live near london bridge and they sometimes go when they, i think they're bored when they haven't got anyone else to torment they just go hang hang out near um, the hospital near london bridge uh, or, or there's a, there's a and there's a vaccination station under bridge that's why they go there and there's always jeremy corbyn's brother what's his name Piers oh, corbyn, Piers corbyn yeah. this is all he does with his life is go around um protesting about vaccination and what an absolute fucking loser sorry josh <laughs> is he also a gooner because obviously jeremy is is Piers? well i've not I've never well, seen. He's, he's not the only peers. He's not the only peers uh, who might be a gooner that we don't like to associate yeah. ourselves with. Yeah. So. 
Uh, yeah, anyway. I've, I've never seen... I think Piers Corbyn is too busy protesting about vaccination than he yeah, is. No, no, time to get, no time to get to the Emirates. Um, the only other... No. My favourite celebrity story, and it's very, very short, and it's one that actually, when I was on Tinder for a short period of time, was in my bio, was uh, Jane Collins once called me a cunt. And that is, I think, one of my... as a badge of honour that I, that I wear... <laughs> That is topical in many ways because Joan Collins is doing the publicity rounds at the moment. She's got a new book out of her of quite raunchy diaries. Um, and there's also a documentary about her sister, Jackie Collins. But what was the context of her calling you a cunt? What happened? Well, she, 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 she called me a terrible cunt, actually. That's what she called. Uh, when um, we were doing a photo shoot, this is back in my PR days 20 odd years ago, um, and she slipped over and everyone else retained a sort of steely it's I mean and I thought it was fucking hilarious so uh, uh and she's just told me to help her up you terrible yeah I mean fair enough you are in that in this case maybe possibly a terrible cunt anyway moving on to the matter at hand Josh which is the Arsenal performance at the, well you're shaking your head in disbelief I, I'm, I'm not sure we should Collins. move on I was thoroughly enjoying it and I think there's much more Sorry. gold there's gold I mean, to you're get right. from Gareth but we can you're briefly talk right. about Arsenal Maybe. Yeah, we'll go back to Joan Collins and Cuntgate um, later. I mean, uh, yeah, you'll be pleased to know that uh, my first question about the game on Saturday. You're not. You're not. You're not. You don't manage Alan Smith, do you, um, Josh? Because Josh, listeners, does manage various ex-footballers in various regards. You don't have a connection with ex-Arsenal well, forward Alan Smith. Oh, hold, hold on. Okay. I, I don't manage Alan, but I, I know him fairly well. Okay. We would have spoken. Okay. Three weeks Fine. ago. He actually, and I can't even come close to managing Gareth's level of story, but he yeah. did, Alan Smith did send me a text intended for his uh, son-in-law, Josh, and he sent it to what? me about three weeks ago. Yes. Um, That's great. Are you sure it wasn't an accidental text on purpose from um, Kirby? No. Um, oh, we okay. had been... Um, We've been. This is such a shame that um, WhatsApp is down as we are recording this. Yes. Uh, is it? Not, it is, yeah. It's down. You that. just thought you'd had a quiet afternoon, boy. You don't <laughs> use did, it as yeah. much, do you? That explains a lot. <laughs> um, um, here we go. Here we go. Yes. Oh. He, he, we are in touch a bit because he does do some work for the uh, uh, Malaysian TV, which uh, which my company organises uh, for, like, at the moment, Zoom punditry. But he did send me a message saying, I'm going to your homeland today, Chigwell. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was particularly unsure what to really wow. say, but I'm a huge fan. Because the hero. funny thing about that is, the funny thing about that is that, of course, Chigwell, as any Jewish boy knows, is quite a Jewish heartland yes. in Essex. Did you have like an existential um, moment of doubt of like, yeah, maybe, so maybe could, I am. Yeah. So initially, I thought, does he is he forgotten that I'm not from Chigwell and and have yeah. very little to do with Chigwell? So I just wrote back. Not quite my homeland. What takes you there? Thinking he'll now acknowledge he's got the wrong the wrong person, and we'll all move on. But yeah. then he uh, he said a golf day, and then I'm doing England at Sky tonight. And then about twenty minutes later, he just went, "Sorry, mate, wrong Josh. Meant this for my son-in-law." So that was uh, a bit of interaction with uh, with Alan Smith. That's but we great. did speak. Oh, well, I mean, um, we so spoke what, since what? he did the uh, North London derby for Malaysian TV eight days ago. 
What's your issue with Smith, Boyd? What's your issue my with issue him? With, my issue with Dear Allen is, uh, an Arsenal hero, don't get me wrong, um, is that the, his verdict at the end of the... Um, he was he was on COCOMS, he was the analyst, the whatever, on, on Sky, and he said his explanation for Arsenal's uh, mediocre performance was, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing roughly, you, this will happen every now and then with the kids, with the young team that they will, you know, that their, their lack of experience will tell and they won't be very good and they'll go off form. I'm watching this game. I'm like, hold on a minute. The kids weren't the problem. The problem was players like Thomas Partey and Aubameyang um, being absolutely terrible. And on the day, and I think to blame, like when Ian Millsmith Ray was absolutely clearly our man of the match um, and the young defense did pretty well. Um, but it was not the problem of the kids. I thought that was such a weird verdict. I, I think there's, there's a validity to I mean, I, I read an article today that we do have the lowest average age in the Premier League this season, lowest yeah. starting level average age, which is, I think, I mean, there is definitely something in that. But what you'd normally associate with that is a sort of a lack of character, a lack of experience. And actually what we've done with this young team, certainly since the first three games, it's a very vastly different team to what started the season is actually had a little bit of fortitude, had a bit of strength of character. Um, I agree with you in terms of like the part, I mean, I actually think Thomas Party didn't have a terrible game. I think Aubameyang, and, and this is, this is, is, is the outlier for Aubameyang's performance, the North London Derby, when every other game this season, he's been different, different levels of, of, of terrible. Uh, I think his vim and vigour in the London, North London Derby was great, but that was completely absent. And I heard a few, again, apologists say, oh, he had to play with his back to goal. It wasn't when he had his back to goal that the problem was, it was when he had the ball at his feet. There was the, the, Things were breaking down around him. And, and, and that was genuinely the only concern for me from that game. Because I think that Brighton are a good side, well-coached, they they performed very very well. They they've rolled over some good teams this season, and 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 they will continue to do so. And I think at the Emirates a few seasons ago, I watched them play under Poster. I was like, I was very impressed because man for man, they weren't on the same level as us. But actually, as a unit, they're very cohesive and they're a good side. And, and I think that yeah, it was the only big sort of big red flag was about Miang's performance for me. Um, oh yeah, I mean he was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. Um, just on party though, he his stats are, are pretty poor. I think he's you know he only won a few, a couple of duels as they called um, in midfield. He kept he lost the ball quite frequently. His passing was 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 pretty terrible. So I think even statistically, and I, but I just 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 I, I watching him, I think he, he has these kinds of games quite right. frequently. His high his, his, his he, he is. On his day, and in, again, going back to the Spurs game, I don't want to keep going back to it, but but he was phenomenal. And actually, those yeah. high-risk passes were coming off, but partly because the movement ahead of him was better. And there were people... Mm. So I, I think... And also, it's the balance in that midfield. And I whisper it, but we miss Granite Xhaka on Saturday. Well, I think massive. I think massively. Yeah. Because there's... Teams are about sort of, again, something I drum up banged in the past, but it's about partnerships, partnerships at the back, partnerships in midfield, partnerships up front. You hear like from sort of Sutton and Shearer to, to Adams and Keogh and all, all these partnerships that are cited. But midfield partnerships are key. And and without it, I think Lekonga and Party are, are too similar. I think they're both very good players. And I really like what I've seen of Lekonga so far, but they're both very similar players. And Xhaka and Party work as a, as a double act. 
Um, yeah, I mean, how much do you, do you, th- do you think we do you agree? Do you think we missed Shaka? We have to say that, Josh. I mean, bearing in mind that you know the plan for Arsenal in the summer was to get rid of him, you know, was well, so at least to let him go to Roma, wasn't it? Then that didn't happen, and now we offered him a new contract. Now then he came back against Spurs and was heroically good, and now he's injured for a couple of months. So we're all like, it's quite a weird situation with with, with him. It's not like on the one hand, I feel like I would actually quite like. Arsenal Arsenal to kind of go forward without him and at least to you know I mean he's got he's got to go eventually somewhere in some way short form I feel this is an opportunity to bed in a look you know a, a Lukonga party midfield maybe or you know they are quite similar but I think maybe what do you think what or do you think it's it's insanity and we really really miss Xhaka and um it's going to be a difficult couple of months without him well I think we did miss him I'm, I'm totally with Gareth on him Look, some of the new signings, I think, have obviously come straight into the team. We're expected to go straight into the team. And, and we've seen that now with Ramsdale, uh, with White, with Odegaard. I still don't uh, don't think Lukonga was, was supposed to come straight into this Arsenal side and start. I still think Thomas Partey and Xhaka will be the default when they're fit. Um, it's a real shame on, uh, on Granit Xhaka that, he, um, that he's done that. I mean, you know... Sent off at Man City, he, he, you know, it would have been absolutely ideal if he could have come back and had six, eight decent games and just calmed that sort of storm down that I think makes so many sort of Arsenal fans doubt him. Um, but it wasn't to be. We're, we're definitely, we're definitely going to miss him. But I, I tell you, I'm in a couple of different Arsenal WhatsApp groups when it's working, as I'm sure Gareth is, as I'm sure you are, and I had such contrasting kind of conversations going on in one than the other. And I think it depends how you felt after the game on where you really acknowledge where Arsenal are at the moment. If you still think we are the Arsenal and should go to Brighton and just win, then you're disappointed. But I think if you're realistic about where we are at the moment, you know, as a club, what our squad is, a point away at an informed Brighton side in difficult conditions where your striker had a really poor game, whereas you said, Boyd, in Aubameyang, party wasn't up to much, Odegaard wasn't up to much. You're not really going to go and win without that. And it, it, it probably, when all was said and done, yeah, yeah, a draw probably felt about right. But if anyone deserved to win, it, it, it was obviously Brighton, I think, with the chances that, that they created. So, well, I don't I know. I, I felt okay. I mean, I, I know the point you're, you're making there about... Um, Alan Smith and and sort of you know saying this can happen in a draw and younger players. I think Lee Dixon made a similar kind of you know tweet about it's okay, it's a good point, clean sheet, move on. And, and that, yeah, I agree I'm, with I'm that. choosing I agree to see that. the positives. I agree with you. I agree with you totally on the overall a, a point. I'm happy with the point. I'm absolutely happy with the point. But I, I, I'm more. I, I think the other the reason I mentioned Alan Smith thing. I just think it's a complete load of nonsense that's anything to do with the in this particular case with the youthfulness of our squad and it's actually well, to do with senior players who uh, Odegaard you know Odegaard is you're right but Odegaard is within the Arsenal context compared to you know the, 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 the other I know he's young no I know, I know he's young but he's played a lot of games for Arsenal and not and rarely any as bad as that no rarely I, I, any, I, any games as bad as that I think Odegaard's in there. also what do you think of Tomiyasu I yeah, mean, I mean he had a that was the inconsistency, time. right? The young player inconsistency. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember who it was. So who tweeted that they were worried there was links between, was it Jeff, between Jenkinson and Tomiyasu? I mean, what did he say? What did he say? I, I, that's, that, that's hilarious. I think, 
What I was going to say, I think it's... For, for, Here, for, Jeff, for, I've got and, it. And pundits love a bit of narrative. And I think the narrative around Arsenal is it's shifted from soft-centred to you'll win nothing with kids. And I think that there is... there is, but And at the same time, I was wary of our profiles of our signings over the summer being so young when actually what we were missing was leadership and character. I think that the character, I'm... Uh, and it's quite good I haven't been on since so I could probably claim I've always felt this way but this is revisionist Ramsdale was one of those where I couldn't roll my eyes harder when we signed him because I was like well we don't need him and 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 yet he has come in and he's given our Mm -hmm. defense and our team something it was lacking before so I mean the Tommy has to go on Josh because I I thought I thought he was very poor and he was completely owned by Cucurella on on Saturday but he's earned a bad game yeah, the, what did the tweet from say? our friend Jeff, who was on with us, of course, last week, said, Tommy Yasu, I seem to be alone in seeing performances similar to Corporal Jenkinson when he debuted. Started with promise, then realised what pressure it was to play for the Arsenal every week. Let's hope Tommy doesn't go the same no, way. No, this is his first dodgy game. And he was facing a really good, a player who had a great game and was, you know, he was really on it. And I think... He, I th- I think I think he was just taken aback by what he, by the by having to face this kind of really really impressive left back and he had a, and he had a difficult time. I thought he improved in the second half. Actually, I thought he you know defensively I think he got significantly better in the second half. That's uh, why I think he wasn't as bad. You love it. You, yeah, that's great. Yeah. He wasn't as bad. I mean, the, uh, the who scored thing, the worst eleven of the week. The only one of our players that made it in there was Aubameyang, and I think that. Yeah, I, but what I'm saying is, Aubameyang. Aubameyang having an off day and Party having an off day uh, are, are, are much Odegaard. bigger. I know Degard, but are much bigger um, issues in this particular game than I think the youngsters that Alan Smith. I don't know who's vaguely like referring to. And I take and your point, Gareth, about the goalkeeper. I mean, is 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 massive because he is an example of a youngster who has completely refreshed us. You know, compared to the oldster that he's taken over from. And so I think this this. This absolute bullshit about youth being an issue. The more the whole lesson for me of our last eighteen months is: the more you rely on the youngsters, the better Arsenal are. That I genuinely feel that. And actually, you know, nothing that happened on Saturday disproves that. Particularly the goalkeeper was brilliant. He is like he made that brilliant save, right? Uh, his interview after the game, his post-match interview was was unbelievably eloquent, smart, honest, talking about how, you know, to improve his goal kicks. I think his goal goal kicks is... Yeah, it is one of his few flaws. But, I mean, just everything about him is... I just think he's a massive... um, a massive breath of fresh air and a, wait, a massive jump. I mean, a massive is, is a big word. A big jump, a, no, a notable jump over Leno um, in all kinds of ways. I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I'm sure, I don't necessarily think he's that much better a goalkeeper. I just think he is that he, he's what we need more. He's more dominant. I think he, he's, he's, he's <laughs> that strength of character. And, and so uh, there's definitely a touch of the Pickfords about him. And I think that there will be time. Oh, but not to, a twat though. Pickford's a twat, isn't he? I mean, oh, is he a twat? that's me oh, on Pickford. Pickford. I can't stand him. I Carry think he's on. an underrated goalkeeper. I'll explain. I'm interested, guys. Yeah. I'll explain at the end. But Pickford, Pickford is one of those keepers that will do something silly once in a while and it will be shown in, in without context of, of the great games he had. I think Ramsdale will cost us a couple of games a season from bad decisions, but he will also, oh. because I think he, he he's a decisive, aggressive goalkeeper and therefore will come for crosses and miss them. He, 
And that's fine because actually he's a 23 year old keeper. And and when you talk about experience, most good 23 year old keepers are reserve keepers. Edison was a reserve at 23. Allison was a reserve at 23. David De Gea again is the outlier in that, and uh, he was phenomenal and was a young keeper. But he was questioned at this age and should should be dropped. So yeah, to, to have him come in and have such a big impact behind a very young centre back pairing, who are for me probably the thing I'm most pleased about. I was saying Gabriel needs to come in that game. I was at Brentford and it was horrific to watch Pablo Mari and I, Ben White got all the pelters, but actually he, it was his first game with a terrible center back alongside him. He's now got a good one and they look like a good unit. What did you think of uh, Gabriel's teeth uh, going, uh, going missing somewhere on the Amex pitch boy? Did you see this story? Yeah. It's a common, it's, it's happened before, isn't it? He's, he's got these, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, I feel like it happened to an Arsenal player not that long ago, didn't it? So at oh, the it Emirates. Was him. I, I think it was him. I thought was it, it Gabriel? I thought so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, where well, you see him after the game, like wandering around forlornly. The tooth fairy's very looking, busy at the uh, at his household. His, he's missing tooth. Yeah, but I agree with Gareth. I think I think the big plus point of the gap, apart from um, Emil Smith Rowe, generally, who's you know he's pretty much a man of the match every week now, um, was the defence, and I do think clearly Ben White. And Gabriella forging a really good partnership. It's interesting with what was interesting. In fact, let's take a quick break and I'll ask you about this after the break, which is the playing out from the back that we did not do against Brighton. And we're back from the break. Um, Yeah, as good as the defence was, well, I mean, as impressive as they were, and we didn't concede a goal, and there was some good, you know, last-minute blocking, and there was some some very, there was a brilliant save, as we've already said, from the goalkeeper. But it was weird, wasn't it? And I think possibly a key factor in our mediocrity of against Brighton that we were so scared of playing out from the back. Like as soon as Brighton showed any sign of pressing on pressing us and, 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 and imposing any kind of uh, concentrated effort to stop us playing out of the back, we just gave up and, and, uh, and, and kicked it up pitch. No, I'm you're shaking your head. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. But oh, okay. I would put that down to, and again, hopefully Patrick Vieira and the next few managers that we're about to face don't listen to this podcast, but here's what I think. Graham Potter got it spot on in stopping us playing. And actually, in so much as the real, reason why Tini wasn't so effective going forward is he was, Potter was putting pressure on Tomiyasu making him unable to flip into a three to allow Tini to go. There was so much good management that picked on our weaknesses, which we do have, and, and and that passing out from the back, it's because they were filling those gaps in between the lines, which is where we like to play. And they were pressing, but they were pressing as a unit, which mm. not every team does. And and again, I think kudos to Potter rather than we were a bit shaky. I think obviously when you've lost a bit of confidence and actually you do just want to get it out, and we were we were going longer too often. And again, that wasn't playing to Bamiyang's strength, so that wasn't when I was frustrated with him. I think that yeah, I would say. It was horrific conditions, and and we were trying to play a game, but we were stopped playing that game by the opposition's manager and their tactics. 
Yeah, they also they did they also interestingly target Ben White quite a lot, didn't they? I saw a, there were a lot of like you know kind of players going for him as soon as he got hold of the ball, um, and I wonder whether that's because obviously they know him pretty much inside out. But don't you think I was I was I mean I I think that that's absolutely the explanation for it. But don't you think we should have shown more bravery and just fucking go, went for it anyway? I mean you're not going to see Man City faced with Brighton pressing our defence, not playing out from the back, are you? You're gonna you, they're going to stick with it. Said that people were below their level, and if you're aware of that when you're playing, mm. you don't yeah. have the confidence. Man City, I mean, there's a, there's a saying like, well, if we had Man City's players, they yeah, we probably would. I know, often. I know, I know. But we had people who. But that is the difference, isn't it? And again, I go back to the Xhaka thing. Xhaka is a key part of that because he's the one that will drop into the space to pull their midfielder. And I think that without that, we were a little bit predictable. Those out balls, people maybe were looking up and it's it's an unconscious thing. I don't think it was a conscious maybe looking at someone going, Well, it's not sticking with that person. And you were right about Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe was phenomenal. I think what was frustrating for me was Smith Rowe was head and shoulders our best player, but also made the worst decision of the night by not squaring it. Ah. Because I'm I glad think you brought this up. Yeah, go on. Because I think that, that that was I I mean you mentioned about the good save. Ramsdale was decisive in kind of clearing a half cross shot. He didn't actually make a worldy save. Whereas we had we had, I think, the most presentable chance from Smith Rowe's brilliant movement. But there was a there was a ball on there that would have potentially seen us take the lead. I think it's harsh on Nemo Smith Rowe in that situation. I, I, he could have squared it. To Saka, absolutely. But equally, it was a really good chance for him as well. I think it could ease, he, you know, and there was a really good bit of defending from the Brighton defender, whoever the fuck that was. I think it was a combination of all those things. I don't think it was like the clearest, it wasn't like the most obvious. He's, he's, he's literally letting the team down by not squaring no, it. No, no, no. It? I think it was, it was it just was like when we got away. I think that yeah. was, a, it was so clear. It was a one time that we, that, we broke through their 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 defence and they were a little bit... You're right, it was good defending. It, it showed him a little bit further out than he'd like to be on his right foot. But yeah, I mean, watching him play is is joyous. So I, I think, I, yeah, this isn't me kicking Smith around by any stretch of the imagination. I thought he was brilliant. And I thought that, again, you, you mentioned earlier on about the young players. And maybe it is a little bit about exuberance of use and not feeling like a weight on the shoulders, but perhaps it's just because our young players are our better players. I think that's that's the other thing, right? Saka and Smith Rowe are yeah, yeah, right. better every week because oh, they're not better than the rest of our squad. Yeah. What do you think? Of, what do you think, Josh? I've seen a few people say Saka's out of form, and that um, you know, kind of. I mean, he was great against. I mean, everyone was great against Spurs, weren't they? Let's face it; the whole team was kind of brilliant. I don't think. I thought he was. I think he was a little bit looked a bit knackered the previous couple of games. I mean, he's played. He's played a part. If I think he's played every single game this season, hasn't he? Print more or less. Yeah, so, even the League Cup. Yeah, even the. Oh my God! Even the League Cup. That was insanity. But I didn't think he looked that tired in the game yesterday uh, on 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 Saturday. I think he was. I didn't think. I thought he was. I thought there were definitely like notable worse performances than his. And I still think he gave us some of that energy whenever we he possibly could that we we sorely lack otherwise. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think he uh, he did look a real threat. He um, very early on in the game sort of jinked his way mm-hmm. into the box and, and had a sort of fairly decent effort on goal. And he's still the player at the moment that is most likely to get sort of Arsenal fans off off their seat in terms of, of creativity and uh, likely to to take opportunities. I think there's an inevitability that at some point this season he he can't simply be put in for for every game, and there are options on the bench in a way that maybe there weren't last season. You know, obviously. Pepe being the obvious one that's that's being kept out at the moment, not to mention Martinelli. Um, 
or even if we'll see sort of Tavares put in a sort of attacking role at, at some point during during the season as well. Um, so I think there'll be a point in the season where he where he's he's on the bench and he and he gets that break. But right now, heading him into an international break, I think he was the right decision. I mean, he didn't get taken off until you know right towards yeah. injury time, did he? Yeah. Go yeah. on, Gary. This yeah. is this is my point in that because he is so high energy and because of the way he 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 I think doesn't conserve his energy. I think he he is the most marked flagger in our team. Like when he is tired, it's really obvious he's tired. And I think that if any criticism can be levied, it shouldn't be at him. Even against Spurs, when we lost Shaka and when Saka got tired, they had more space in midfield. Arteta, Arteta, in my opinion, should be perhaps a bit more decisive and, and notice you're right that he's one of our most threatening attacking players but when he's tired actually he loses his man for runs it, it, the Spurs goal as pointless as it was came down his channel because he was tired and I think that he is someone who is not who has not had the rest over the summer as well so he he he, he at some point hopefully uh, hopefully this this international break we an opportunity for him to not play every minute of every game um and yeah I I, I think my understanding is him and party both requested to play in that League Cup game to try and get some some form, some rhythm back. Because I think Saka oh, okay. has played a part in each game, but he hasn't really played well. And I think that, yeah, maybe playing himself into a bit of form was his logic behind wanting to play in that League Cup game. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. What did you... Th- I, I read a... Um, I, I want to talk about the rain, the weather, because I read a, uh, one of those real hipster um, Twitter threads about the game. With some, uh, and I forgot to favourite it, so I was trying to find it. I couldn't find it. Um, where some dude... Uh, basically said, you're all morons, Arsenal fans. You don't understand why we lost that game. Or we didn't win that game, rather. We didn't lose it. We drew it. We drew it. And he went on about, he was constantly all the way through this kind of in-depth, quite intense analysis. There's lots of stuff about Brighton, how Brighton pressed us particularly specific details. It was, you know, it, it was one of those rather pompously written, only I understand what's going on kind of pieces, uh, Twitter threads. And he kept saying, um, and then there was the weather, and blah, 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 and then there was the weather. And I was thinking, hold on, the one thing you've neglected to realise about this game was that Brighton had to cope with the same fucking weather. You know, it wasn't just Arsenal that were playing. In they, were they, 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 they know what it's like to play. In right. Right, right. I mean, what? But I am going to ask you about the the weather because I do think mentally more than anything, some of the players. I'm going to conjecture now, but I'm I'm going to mention Aubameyang. Maybe you know, like I do feel like when they see that level of weather as they walk it onto the pitch on an on a, on Saturday evening, you know, I think it's an issue. I really do. Or am I going mad? It's, they don't like a wet and windy night. They don't now. like it up when it comes to the rain and the wind, Josh. Well, the, the the main I I'm not sure I'm gonna go with this. I mean I don't have the stats on uh uh you know Arsenal playing in the rain against Arsenal not playing in the wind and rain. Well, it'll be an interesting find those stats. It'll be an interesting project for mm. someone to do yeah. if there's a student listening who has got uh time to do it. <laughs> what was funny about the rain was um did you see that um sign that well I'm a, I'm dubious, right? There was that bloke who had like the sign that said like ML I'm soaked. Can I have your shirt? Did you did you see this on? It was, they did show it on the Sky 
cameras yeah, um, and it was a grown man with yeah. a little boy and i yeah, almost feel I the little it. boy was yeah. brought along purely so the man yeah. could get the yeah. get the shirt and their sign did look a bit ridiculous because it was so sodden you could just about make yeah. out the word but that was successful but yeah. i don't know did they feel that because they were soaked they're more likely to get the shirt because i think no, usually it was successful so we didn't get the shirt this is one of my pet peeves at the moment is about these fucking signs which Gareth, i discussed are... this last week i'm sure you'll have heard the podcast in which i railed against the the signage yes yes carry on though just to no, make it clear but, the point is but but i i was at brentford my my view was obliterated for a while by one of those effing signs uh, and it wasn't do you know what that wasn't the time for it either didn't what want did anyone say what was, uh, your was just sign it, i think it was asking saka for his shirt was the sign near me. I think that, but but you're right. I think, I don't, perhaps it is these young, innocent children that are doing it, but there's definitely an element of, yeah, parental. Yeah, yeah we are suspicious. I might just take a sign asking for El Nenny's because it's sort of, no one else is going to be, right? No. If you just take a sign, he doesn't even have to get on the pitch. Really niche player. I think mm, yeah. more niche than El Nenny, maybe. Because I think... There's, there's an element of cult cult hero about many surely. Sure, Callum Chambers. I don't know. Well, he's not yeah. even on the bench. So it'd be very difficult. Rob to Holding. Shirt. Rob Holding. Uh, holding maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Where, Suarez. Where is, Cedric. Where is Chambers. Cedric. Give me your shirt. <laughs> Just. I, yeah. No. No one um, wants. I, I, I want your shirt. shirt. I want every shirt he has, so he never can wear one again for the Arsenal. Mm. It's a weird way, is it? Callum Chambers just obviously not even in, you know, in a in a squad of nineteen, isn't it? Yeah. Really? I mean, moment? fair enough. <laughs> I, I, mean, I love him as a, as a man. Twenty, sorry, we got nine subs. Is that right? Yeah, it's twenty. Yeah, yeah. But who, what? You, I didn't, you, but I you wouldn't didn't pay enough attention to the bench. To, to I, I thought he had been on it recently enough because I've seen that, you know when the groups of three go out to warm up. There's like an A team and a B team, and I always mm. feel so much for the B team subs who are just going through the motions they're like they'll clap the crowd they'll be like yeah yeah and then Pepe and Lacazette and someone else will come out and go, these are the guys that are going to come on like and I think Callum Chambers unless there's injury crisis because I don't think there's a, I think he's our second choice right back surely please God well Cedric yeah Cedric is in, in there above, ahead of him I don't think he's injured is he I mean who, who knows maybe um, no, let's not not being involved, and I think he's out of yeah. contract uh, at the end oh, of the season. Go, yeah. Callum Chambers, so I suspect uh, yeah. suspect we are probably seeing his final. Let season. me ask. Let me ask this question because you you said earlier, um, Gareth, about how um, uh, you talked about Bamiyang's performance against Spurs was the outlier. Uh, I, you know, is there a question that the whole the entire team's performance against Spurs is the outlier, and this is our level, or is that too harsh? I, I think that's too harsh. I think that there's been signs from everyone else in the squad and yes, performances dipped from certain key players and uh, maybe I'm a party apologist, but I think that he offered more than Erdegaard and Aubameyang, but I, I equally admit his performance wasn't up to the same level as it was the week before. I think that certain players, Erdegaard, Tomiyasu, have earned a, a, a poor game by actually having a consistency and an, and a, aptitude and application that Aubameyang doesn't have and I think that those young players that uh, Smith wrote Saka there there is enough throughout the whole season even when I mean take the Man City game out of it possibly um and probably the Chelsea one uh, and maybe the Brentford one but take, take the lot that this last four when this team's been together and it's really only these last four games that this team's been together and I think that in every game there's been different levels of 
positive performance from everyone in the squad. Whereas we, we won at Burnley despite Aubameyang. We beat Norwich despite Aubameyang. I think that actually you, you are right when you, when you lord our young players because they are the ones that have won us those games. Would you would you just play Lacazette instead of Aubameyang then, or Martinelli or whatever? Would you drop? Would are you saying we should drop Aubameyang? I would I would play Lacazette because I think he is a better centre forward. I I don't think he. I I think Aubameyang is a busted flush. There, wow, wow, controversial. uh, uh, Bear two, bear one, Josh. I I think. Bear two has gone a little bit far on the on the busted flash. I think we've we've still seen a, enough to uh, acknowledge the the talent that he has. And I think even going back into the stadium or going to watch Arsenal with Aubameyang up front, there's still that element of of expectation. I'm not sure that Lacazette would make me feel any more confident of going into a match day that we're going to win the game. Could we see more opportunities where Aubameyang is put back out on the left and and we try Lacazette up front in games? Yeah, I I think, I think we will. Um, Definitely. I I think that, I think that would be the wrong thing to do because I think we've got better inside lefts than Aubameyang. Yeah, I I agree with that. Players who are more effective. I think that, Uh, yeah, about the expectation, but is that not based on what he has done, not what he is doing? Because he is missing presentable chances. He is miscontrolling a lot of very simple balls in good spaces and being easily dispossessed. There, there isn't that same thing. Lacazette won't give you much more than a seven out of ten some games, but he will. He will at least transition the ball. He will at least hold that ball up, and 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 he will protect it with his life. Whereas when Aubameyang's not playing well, he stinks the place out. Well, I think you, you obviously realise it more because he's you know, Arsenal's front man and we were so blunt on Saturday and that's incredibly sort of fresh in our, our memory. I'm not sure that he had a shot, did he really on, on Saturday or, or certainly found himself with any presentable opportunity. Um, he I, was, I, I, yeah. I, I, boy, boy, do you with me on this? We're not writing off a Bamiang yet, surely. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I wouldn't even drop him yet. I, I think he's been out. He's been off form clearly. And he's, but I still think like there's glimmers I feel of, and, and you know, I think the whole, I think enough. He, I think there were enough disappointing performances against Brian for 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 it not to be put at his doorstep. Um, but if it carries on like this, then you do start to get worried. I definitely, you know, you'd have to be, you'd have to be, you'd have to to not notice the fact that his form has dipped significantly. But when do you last... think the dip started, Boyd and Josh? I think the dip started. 18 months ago. I think that, yeah I mean it did was, like, like, ever since the FA Cup final there's mm. been a slow yeah. descent and that's why I'm concerned I, mm. I, I I think he's clearly sort of a global football megastar but he's just I, and, and I don't want to get people have cited malaria people for, for lack of energy but I, yeah. I, I, I'm not an expert in this but I know he doesn't pass the eye test for me and that mm. worries me it is worrying. Don't get me wrong. It is worrying. Yeah, but I'd still give him a few more. I think I'd give him a while yet before I dropped him. I still, you know, and I, I, like, I, you know, I I'm famous for my love of Lacazette, but I still, I'd still rather mm. see Orba up front at the moment than him. Go on, Josh. I think Aubameyang will win one of these upcoming two home games against Palace or Aston Villa, and he will come yeah. find you in the crowd along with Boyd's mate. Who's yeah. going to pop in and say hello? Well, because well, and he will I'll point have a, out. I'll have a sign. I'll have a sign asking for a shirt. Is that why you'll find me in the crowd? Have a sign just saying you are a busted flush. Can I have your shirt? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm the bear. 
I'm a bear. Can I have your shirt? I've run five marathons. Can I have your shirt? Um, Joe Collins called me a cunt. Can I have your shirt? These are all uh, very good possibilities. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I think I think you'd be all right. What can I let me let me also ask about the manager because um, I've definitely been um, disappointed in him the last in, in, in you know so obviously at the beginning of the season, um, but I was. I said in the last podcast, I think if he, he needed to to um, name an unchanged size, that was before we realised that Shackle was going to be out for a couple of months. But he effectively did stick with, as much as he possibly could, an unchanged team from the Spurs game by bringing, just bringing Lukonga, um, again uh, instead of Shaka. And I, I was very happy with that. And I think that showed, for me, that showed a kind of maturation, is that the right word, of his attitude and stop fucking tinkering every single time the team plays and stop messing about with the formation, etc. every single game, depending on who you play. So I was pleased, even though the performance ended up being quite mediocre, I thought it was a good decision on his part to stick pretty much, you know, 90, as much as he could with that team. Josh? Well, we know the team now, don't we? And that's an unusual. We haven't been in this position for ages. Yeah. He's clearly decided Ramsdale's his goalkeeper. He's got Bellerin out of the club to bring in Tommy Asu. He's spent 50 million on, on White and decided Gabriel will be the one next to him. Tierney, there's no debate on. Um, it, you know, Party and Jacker were clearly the two with Sambi Lukonga as a backup. Um, I think there was some thought can Odegaard and Smith Rowe play in the same team, but he, you know, he's found this way to to make it work with them. And if there is a little bit of rotation, you know, I, I think the next one down is, is probably Pepe as a sort of not quite 12th man, but you know, something close to that. Um, and then, yeah, we'd like to obviously, you know, see, see some more from, from Lacazette as well. But, you know, you look at the rest of it, you know, you, you would say you can't see an obvious reason why a El Nenny will, will get game time or, or make the Niles or a holding or, you know, Suarez Tavares, it, it will be injuries of which you expect there will be less. And there are a lot less games to play. So again, we've got leads coming up in a, a couple of weeks in the Carabao. You could probably already predict seven of the changes and, and we'll, we'll go from there, but it's an incredibly sort of settled team. And let's enjoy that. Cause we haven't had that recently. It is a settled team, isn't it, Gareth? Except you're advocating you should drop Aubameyang. But let... I think I think we have another option, and it depends. And I, I also agree with you, Boyd, that, that, that a level of sort of consistency in selection would more likely create consistency of performance because players yeah. play with each other more often, play better with each other. And I think that the only reason why I, I believe there should be a change is because someone is so woefully out of form but then the option, the other option is someone who is so woefully out of contract very soon. So I think that you've, you, you we, it's one area. And I, and I, again, I know for a fact who, uh, in the know or whatever, that, that it wasn't a, a secret that we were willing to get rid of one or both of those two elderly strikers over the summer as well. I don't elderly. Know, I don't know. Who, it's funny, isn't it? Because they're not. My, my daughter often goes, he's old for a footballer. That's her thing. Like, But he's not really old. I mean, no, he's not really old. But for a I think we could be improved by a better centre-forward, by a better striker. And I think there are mm. there are players out there, but I think that will come as the next transit in in the next phase, which will be over, over next summer. We I think we will move away from those two as the option, but and hopefully a combination of them both will get us into a decent position to be able to build. I'm going to slightly contradict what I said with this with this question, which is that 
Um, much as I am, uh, much as I'm happy with, with with the fact that he sticks with this, we, he knows his best team seemingly finally after a long, long time of not not knowing not knowing his best team. Having said that, and this is they play in a in mostly in a kind of four two three one formation, don't they? Especially with when Odegaard is playing and we've got Smith Rowe and Saka other side of him behind Aubameyang. But I've been, as I've been saying as well, I would quite like to see them try the four three three against, you know, in quotes, lesser teams, um, against teams that aren't going to completely destroy us in midfield, maybe. Um, and I know it's, you know, with with maybe the single pivot rather than the double pivot of party. Um, and I know that. And, and, and from, I, I heard, I think it was on Five Live or somewhere, someone saying that, you know, that is definitely Arteta's dream. Is the We did it against dream. Burnley. Yeah, right. We did it against yeah, Burnley. We, exactly. we played the team against Burnley. And, and yeah. actually what you say about the lesser teams, and this is, again, God, I'm sort of grandpa, a fanboy, but there are, there are fewer lesser teams now. There are mm. the quality of, the lower to mid table clubs has risen. And a few years ago, you'd have looked at Aston Villa at home and thought, that's three points. I'm genuinely concerned about, I'm even concerned about Palace because of the Vieira thing, because they've got some potent threat on the counter attack. Um, I'm more concerned about Villa. And that's funny because actually Aston Villa are, in my mind's eye, not a competitor, but they are now. And I think mm. that, and, and they are well coached and they've got some very good players. And I think that therefore by playing in a more gung-ho fashion, we will get picked off by savvy managers. And I think, and, and good sides. So you probably have got five or six teams in the Premier League, Norwich being one, where you can play a more free form attacking formation. And yeah. Thomas, you just sit, and, and, and but he's not actually a defensive midfielder. So again, you could say, well, actually, you need someone who, if you just want someone like I'm trying to think, Fabinho at Liverpool, who could do that? Where 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 Happy or Rodri at City? Party is actually more than that for us. So I think that yeah, with yeah in that role, you automatically stop what for me is his best part of his game, which is that that, that aggressive passing through the lines. Oh, he definitely does that as well. I think. I think. I think Arteta thinks he can do do it. Do both of those things. Arteta definitely thinks he can. I mean, he's he's actually played him, you know, a couple of times on his own, effectively, at the base of midfield. I just think. I just think we've still got a big problem with creating chances, right? And and not you know, and and we had it against Brighton. We've had it even in the games, you know, we won one nil a couple of times, you know, we're doing better defensively than we are attackingly, to, to, use a, 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 to invent a word. And I just feel that regardless of what happened against Spurs, that's still a big issue for us is creating chances. I think it's more, I feel it's more likely to create chances with a 4-3-3. Than in this in this other formation, I just and I know and Dan Baldwin always whenever I bring this up a lot in our in our um, WhatsApp group and Dan always says oh we're going to be over on the midfield we can't do that well I, well I think we can go for it just against certain teams and maybe you're the number of teams we can do it with is dwindling but I don't know I just think I was thinking maybe I was hoping Dan would would, would bust out the same analogy that I'm about to now which is actually, I actually think it's a Rafa Benitez thing I, I used to sort of yeah attribute, attribute it to Wenger but I think it was it's it's the blanket analogy which is the you, you, the blanket on most teams isn't long enough to have over your feet and over your chest you need to do one or the other and actually what we are at the moment is it's better for us to stop the goals and use the the opportunities we have than it is to allow space at the back and then mm. focus on the creativity side and I think that actually the, the best teams are built 
from the back. You even even the sort of the Chelsea juggernaut everyone's talking about this season. They're great. They put Lukaku. They are stopping teams scoring against them. That's the first thing they're doing. And they've got some very good defenders and they've got an excellent goalkeeper. And then they can go forward. City, who are a great side, are drilled at the back. I mean, you saw the defending... I don't know if you watched the second half. The second half yeah, like, yeah. Wrong. yeah. But, but they are they are a defensively-minded team when they are defending. <laughs> yeah, you, but... You mean, but, when, we, we, but they play, we, they, they're the ultimate 4-3-3. City's the ultimate 4-3-3. I mean, that's yeah, what Arteta I mean, wants. It, 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 yeah, I know that. Of course, they're better players. But Liverpool four three three. It is a. There's an interesting. I just think like, are we going to settle for being a kind of mid table team that grinds out one nils? And by the way, I think there's that's a risk as well because I also think actually you're going to get times when you just you, this. You know, we could easily have let in a goal against Brighton if Brighton hadn't been so shit. Let's face it, shooting. You know, they did got barely got one or two shots on target. They had about twenty shots. Any other team, he would have conceded. That's the thing. Think about that. If we would have lost that game you know with those tactics i i want i i just think i see a lot of really good attacking players who he has arteta has not managed to work out how to get the best out of them and that does worry me and i'm just saying 433 might be a way out of that but i i, I acknowledge the the risk i acknowledge what you're saying josh yeah I, I think what's interesting is you look at the last couple of seasons and we have noticeably improved defensive wise in terms of the goals you know, conceded like to, to last season, you know, we, we conceded 39 goals. I mean, it was less than Man United, less than, less than Liverpool, you know, less than Leicester and West Ham yeah. and Tottenham who all finished, finished, finished above us. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and that was following Thank you for on that from that great point. So we are, we are, we are, we've clearly been heading in this direction of like what Gareth was just was sort of saying, really a stabilize and, can see fewer goals and and we'll work out how to sort of create enough. Um, obviously, the problem is we are you know we, we're scoring a lot less than what we did under Peak Wenger or even under Emery. Um, but it feels like for so long we, we've sat here on this podcast and we and we've felt so frustrated about not having a uh, you know a solid central defence partnership. Let's say and and for the first time in a long time, it kind of you can hasn't been perfect. You know, but where you can see the light, um, you can see a, a goalkeeper that everyone is starting to get behind, and a, a left back who everyone loves. And well, Jeff's not into the new right back, but we'll we'll see what comes from there. But you just start to see the framework of a team where you go, okay, I, I can see this, and you know, there is enough attack, attacking talent at the club that you know, as, as we get through this season, I, I think we are likely to improve. And I felt if we are sort of eighth to 10th halfway through then we when we have a kind of ambitions there for top six um that are that are realistic i think you, you i mean you used the word team there and, and that's it for me i think this this is starting to be and you going all the way back to your point about the manager boyd this is now arteta's team to be judged on like that there is, there is very little that he has inherited he is and we are playing as a team. Now, it's not a free-flowing, scoring multiple goals team, but it is a, a team that is seemingly more cohesive. There are those partnerships I was talking about are, are maybe stronger at the back in the midfield and maybe in those sort of like in between. I mean, I love our movement 
off the ball from Smith Rowe and Erdegaard and Saka and Pepe when he's on. There is there is an exciting element about that. I think that this is it. It's building blocks. And and and, and you mentioned earlier, Josh, about what Arsenal are people thinking. The Arsenal, the sort of, and I made the mistake of when already feeling slightly emotional watching um, the the Arsene Wenger-focused um, fever pitch, the BBC thing the other day about kind of the the foreign the foreign era and Wenger coming in and got me thinking about how much fun it was to see. But the game's changed and we were so far back and we needed to make decisive changes. I think we've done it. Whether Arteta is the manager that will see us all the way through, I don't know. But actually, he is a rebuilding job. The one caveat of negativity I'd put in and is about the way the general club's being run in terms of are these people the ones who will take us to the next stage in terms of from manager Edu et al. But I think that on the whole, there is a, and God, it's great to see youthful talent that wants to play for Arsenal. I've said this to both of you so many times. It's my biggest frustration when people go, we're not being linked with big names, so I mean, big names, I, like, I want big names, but players that want to wear the shirt, that will feel like it's the pinnacle of their careers. There was an opportunity when Leicester were selling Mares. I was like, please let us sign them. People were like, oh, we're going to sign, and I forget who it was, but it was whoever the, the, the hipster's choice was from the continent because he was the bigger name. But this guy could be brilliant for us and he'll want to play for us and that's what I like about the profiles of our signing now Ramsdale is loving playing for Arsenal Ben White is loving playing for Arsenal I could go on to sort of be more Churchillian but you get yeah, this is a rousing this is a rousing oration thank you, you know, but, I agree with you but, I agree with you I, I, I still have my doubts about um, about Arteta though as well as well as the hierarchy so do I but I think um, yeah, but I agree. You're right. You're right. There's a lot yes. to be very excited about in terms you can, of yeah. you can get behind the players, the kids. Yeah, there's a connection there. As Alan Smith says, it's all, it's all about it's all the positivity comes from the kids. Um, uh, we should. Uh, we've got fucking. We've got like two and a half weeks, haven't we, to the next game? I mean, that's boring for a start. Um, yeah, Monday night football on the 18th of October, uh, in which Patrick Freira returns. I mean, that's going to be a great atmosphere, isn't it? Just just for that alone, just to welcome back Patrick Freira. And then, as you said, Crystal Palace looked really good. Um, came you know came back from two 0 down. He's got them. He's got them working pretty hard. Uh, what do we think is going to happen in that game? What's your score prediction, Josh? Well, firstly, it's going to be so lovely to have uh, Vieira back. And I think there's a, a, a section of the fan base that will hope one day he's in the uh, home dugout, so to speak. I think it would be a fairly romantic story if he if he did come back. And I'm sure he will get serenaded unless Crystal Palace uh, go ahead, in which case it will it will probably be quite, uh, quite the opposite. I mean, Palace have been a, a little bit unpredictable. I mean, let... To, to, to claw that back against Leicester, incredibly uh, impressive. Um, the other day, uh, you know, Edouard has, has looked a, a pretty solid signing. Uh, look, I, I don't want to fall into the trap of we are the Arsenal and it's only Crystal Palace at home and therefore we should be turning up and winning. But the players that we've got, I think we've, we've shown enough at home in the last you know, couple of home games that made me feel confident. So I'm going to say 2-0 to the Arsenal. Not a clean sheet. Oh. Wow, it's confident. Gareth? Um, yeah, I think, uh, obviously I've got nothing but love Patrick Vieira and, and 
I quite liked the game before the Spurs game when when Palace had just turned Spurs over, and the first ten minutes of the Norwich game was was just Vieira songs. Um, I think he set up Palace to be quite open and free, like and free flowing, which will probably play to our strengths in that they won't stop us playing so much as they'll they'll, they'll try and find the pocket space. Wilf Zaha's a, a dangerous player, and he'll be up against probably the only. Well, I mean, maybe it's based on the Brighton performance, but I think Tommy Asu can be got at. And I think that's my concern. I think they might score, but I think we'll edge it. Um, and you know how much I love predictions. So I'll go with 2-1 to Arsenal. Very good. Um, yeah, imagine if, if Patrick Vieira out, out classes um, Arteta. That that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Coaching-wise and tactically, if, if if we if we lose that game, I think that's that's interesting. Well, they, they, they've made more, even more progressive young mm. player signings than we have. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. They, they, they've true. completely refreshed their squad. Yeah. From, they had the oldest average age in our season. I think they're third behind us now in terms of yeah, who, who, yeah. who the average age article earlier on say me. But yeah, th- th- they've got some, and Elisa came on through and, and looked very good for them. I think mm. they will be dangerous, and we we would be foolish yeah. to. Take them lightly. Yeah, I'm going to predict uh, one all. I think it's going to be one all. Um, yeah, thanks very much to the two Bears. It's been uh, a joy as ever. Gareth. Thank Parker, you. Thank you for having me. Josh Landy. We'll have a little break now um, until we can come back after that uh, Monday Night Football. I guess we'll be back on that Tuesday, the 19th. I'm, I'm, that's my prediction. Uh, thanks very much. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show... Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.